The Lord is good, and His name is excellent for so many reasons. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be free from guilt? Because when you feel guilty, you feel afraid. When you feel afraid, you're concerned you're going to be found out or discovered for whatever it is that you've done. Some of you might recognize the name Sir Conan Doyle, who was the writer of the Sherlock Holmes classics. I learned something about Sir Conan Doyle. Apparently, many years ago, he was, uh, he was quite a prankster, and he decided to play a prank on five of the most prominent men in England. So what he did was he sent an anonymous note to each one of them, which simply said this, all is found out. Flee the country at once. And it was reported that within 24 hours, all five men had left the country. So you might ask yourself, as I've asked myself, would I have left if I, if I had been made to believe that everything about me had been found out? You know, I, you can ask that about yourself. But there's something so incredibly liberating when you know that you've got nothing to hide, that all is clean. You can be an open book because your heart is right before God. Can I get an amen? There's no sin to hide. You've got nothing in the trunk of the car that you're hiding, nothing under a mattress put in a closet or bills that you're trying to hide from your spouse. Hello. Woo, I felt that one go over the room. But when you're set free by... The Lord Jesus, there is a freedom that you have that you can face tomorrow with joy and with exhilaration. Why? Because that is the kind of forgiveness that God gives us. There is something special that happens when you are forgiven by God. There's something that I want to put before you that for many folks today will simply be a reminder. For others, it may be the first time that you've, that you've heard it or at least expressed like this. It seems so simple, and yet it is so incredibly vital for us as believers. Let us never underestimate the greatness of what happens when God forgives us of our sin. Oh, you got to have a bigger amen than that. Yes, our walk of faith is a journey where we are being taken from glory to glory and from grace to grace and from revelation to revelation. But no matter how much biblical training that you've gone through or how many discipleship programs that you have been a part of or, or how many years you've been walking with the Lord, I pray that we will not one of us will ever lose the wonder of knowing what it is to have our sins forgiven. That's why His name is excellent. That's why when the choir said this, mo this morning, saying, oh, Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, it's primarily because he left the splendor of heaven, came and died a horrible death simply to pay the price for your sin and for mine, and we should never lose the wonder of that and the joy of truly being set free by the power of Christ. I pray that it will never Never, never stop being overwhelming to me or never stop being overwhelming to you any time we lift our voice to sing, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. Glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Please go with me in your Bible today to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. We're going to zero in on one particular verse, 
Isaiah 43, we're going to look at verse 25. There are many places in Scripture that we could go to or could have gone this morning to, to study and to look at how God forgives us. But I think this particular passage today is something that God may be wanting to highlight in our hearts. I, I, I know it's happened in mine. I pray that He gives me the grace to communicate it. So look with me as we see what the Lord is saying. Isaiah 43, 25. He, God is saying this, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Oh, there ought to be something more than that coming from you. Don't you go to sleep on me this morning. Who would agree with me that that's great news? I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and I will never think of them again. Say it with me. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us never lose the wonder and awe of being forgiven of our sins and those things from, that have separated us from a holy God or understand how important that was and is for us ongoingly. I'll never forget a dear man that I uh, was involved with in a, uh, producing one of his projects. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. His name is Calvin Hunt. He was from uh, Brooklyn, New York. One time he'd been part of the Brooklyn Tabernacle and then he went on to um, one of the other sister churches there. And he, I, the thing I remember most about Calvin, he was a wonderful singer, a wonderful communicator. But when he came, even he flew to Dallas for us to do some things here. And, and when you first encounter him, there was just something about him that exuded this. He would just simply say with his words, with his action, with his spirit, with his demeanor, I'm just so glad God saved me. Whatever else happens, making recordings, that's nice. Doing this, singing for people, blessing people, that's nice, that's great. What a wonderful privilege. But I'm just so glad God saved me. How many can say this morning, you are so glad God saved you? Bless the name of the Lord. When God forgives us, church, He wipes the record clean and remembers it no more. If you've come into this place today, and you couldn't think of one thing today for which you should worship God. Maybe you've been overwhelmed by problems of life. Maybe the gloomy skies outside made you uh, blue today or discouraged or whatever. You're overwhelmed by what, whatever it is. If nothing else, every time you come before the Lord in worship, just remember, He has wiped your record clean and He will remember it no more. That ought, always, that ought to always be at the top of our list. And lavish gratitude for, for our salvation ought to easily roll off of our lips. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. I want to draw four things from this scripture. Here's the first one. It's an amazing thing about God's forgiveness, these four things. First of all, God has never Never turn down anyone's request to be forgiven of sin. Is that not amazing? God has never 
turn down anyone's request to be forgiven of sin. There's not one person who's ever shown up at this altar, or any altar for that matter, that God looked upon them and said, oh, uh, I can't forgive that. No, 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 no. What a blessing it is to know that no matter what you've done, God has never looked upon you and said, oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, that's too much. You went too far. That's too much. He's never been surprised by your sin. He's never looked at what you've done and ever turned anybody down. John tells us that anyone to come, that comes to Jesus, he will in no wise cast them out. I think it's what we could call, let's give a title to it today. Let's give a name to it today. I think we can call that crazy forgiveness. When God says in our text, I, yes, I alone. Some versions read, I, even I. That's actually what theologians call a, a Hebraism, which basically means it, it is a word that any Jewish person would know as a cultural expression or idiom. We would translate it into 2016 English kind of like this. Are you kidding me? Seriously? Do you know who I am? Yes, I. I alone. Or I, even I. Is this emphasis where he's saying, look, I'm God. What I'm saying comes to pass. What I say comes to pass. What I declare really does happen, for I am creator God, and I can deliver. He's making it abundantly clear who's saying this. I, even I, or I, yes, I alone. Because he's a God who does not lie, our joy is this. When God says he forgives, he really does forgive. And Then we read that he says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins. He's not asking for time to think about it. He doesn't want to look over, consult with anybody else. He's not undecided as to whether or not he's going to do it. It is no small thing for us to know here this morning that the very moment you ask for your sins to be forgiven, you can know for sure that your sins will be forgiven in that instant, and we must never lose the wonder and awe of that. Ladies and gentlemen, that's crazy forgiveness. Say that word, that phrase with me, crazy. Come on, one more time. I want to be sure you're getting it. God is 100% true, accurate, and faithful to his word. And if you will come to him, he will in no way cast you out. You can leave this place today forgiven of your sins without any shadow of a doubt because God always tells the truth, and we're reading the truth of his word from Isaiah. Second thing I find in this one little verse is this. God forgives so thoroughly that he looks at you as if you've never offended him. He forgives so thoroughly, so completely, that he looks upon you and looks upon me as if we had never offended him. Now, you and I can't do that, but God can. Because the power of God's forgiveness is so huge that it doesn't matter what you've done, he can forgive it Thoroughly. I love the imagery in the way he says, I will blot out. I'll never forget the day when our daughter, Sheridan, was about 10. She walked into my office. I was a minister of music. Des was the pastor. She walked into my office after the service, and she discovered something on my desk. Someone, some cute little someone, had gone to a garage sale the day or two before, and they found an old long play record that I was on years, decades ago. 
and they bought this for a quarter. And they made sure to leave the little price sticker on there so I could see <laughs> the value of this precious treasure that they bought. And they bought it for a quarter, and they put it on my desk. And my daughter walks in after the service, and she picked it up, and she says, Daddy, what's this? She had no idea what it was. I had to explain what a long play record album was and how we used to have 33s, 33 and a third, and then we, some of us had 45s, and if you're really old, we had, oh, there's lots of old people here today. Yes, we did. Well, I'm sure I, you know, she had only known CDs and maybe cassettes, but she had never seen a long play record album. But you know what? Everything has changed over time. Book reports and research papers aren't even done the same way. Now we, now we Google everything. You, you know what our Google was when I was a kid? It was the World Book Encyclopedia. How many know what I'm talking about? Yes. That was our Google. And you just prayed when you went to the library somebody hadn't taken the very letter that you need for your report. Or had checked it out. But everything's changed. Just a few months ago, Becky and I after having lived in one home for almost 23 years, we moved to another home and we were clearing out a closet and we discovered this thing that was kind of in the back of the closet, obviously been there for a long time, that we had before we had computers and keyboards and a mouse and an iPad. It was this thing called a typewriter. How many remember? You don't remember. Well, this was, this was a nice IBM Selectric typewriter. I happened to look at it. It had this little button on it that you could, you could press if you had accidentally typed the wrong letter. How many have ever typed on what I'm talking about? You know, this little erase button. You know, how many of you ever used a real typewriter to do a school report? Okay, many of you did. Well, this, before we had um, IBM Selectric typewriters, God forbid we had to use what we called a manual typewriter back in the day. And when you use a manual typewriter, some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. When... When we used a manual typewriter, you had to use onion skin paper because then if you messed up, you had this funny-looking little pencil with a brush on one end of it and some kind of a rubber eraser thing on the other. Who, am I talking to anybody? Please, you're, please act like you know what I'm talking about. If you have to fake it, act like you know what I'm talking about. But no matter how hard you tried to rub it out with that little rubber eraser, the teacher could still see that you had made a mistake. Now, if you were really good, and I was, you could force some letters to look okay. You could maybe get by it with it. Like you can take an S and make that look like an A. And some of you got real proficient with that with your report card, I happen to know. So that's the way it was. And then, then we had a wonderful, great advancement in the 80s or 90s. I can't remember when, probably the 80s. When they came out with these little white bottles of stuff called, was that a great day or what? White out. Oh, glorious day, white out. Here's what's crazy. You take the rubber eraser and you try to get rid of your mistake, but anybody can still see it. Then we came to the days of whiteout. You might try to just feather that stuff on there so lightly. And try to get it on there to brush on there so to get rid of your mistake. But here, here was the problem I had. 
Unfortunately, the paper you were typing on, if you bought the cheap stuff like I did, was a little discolored, maybe a little not, maybe off-white or a, a little grayish, slightly. Just You thought it was white when you bought it, but it was slightly. Because when you put this white out on there to erase it, you made your mistake stand out like a sore thumb. It was like a, a, a speed bump of a white section on your paper. And anybody who read it still knew you'd messed up. So no matter how you tried to cover it up or to fix it, it was always apparent to all that there had been, there'd been a problem. You made a mistake. But our text this morning, and some of you already know where I'm going with this, in speaking of God himself, says us this, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins. And when you dig into those words, blot out, you discover that it was not like using a rubber eraser and not like using whiteout, but rather they had, it was an oil-like substance that was used not to just cover up the transgression, but to completely obliterate it. In other words, that was gone. The mistake was completely gone and not visible to anybody. Oh, you're not hearing me today, church. Come on, go with me. And today we have computers. This is a wonderful thing. With the push of one button, it's usually kind of up here in the right-hand corner. What's that button called? What is it? With the push of one button, you can eradicate anything that you have mistakenly typed. Oh, hallelujah. No one ever knows when you've messed up because when you delete it, it looks like you wrote the whole thing perfectly. And God says the forgiveness that he offers us is not like the rubber eraser that actually smeared the mistake and made it, made it worse. It's not like the little bottle of whiteout that you try to paint on there, making the whole mistake glow even brighter. He says when you're forgiven, you see that big old smear spot? See that lump of whiteout? When you get saved and you have your sins blotted out, it's as if God pushed that delete button and started your life story all over again. It's gone. Gone. The mistake is gone as if nothing had ever been on the paper. To blot out your sins, which is what he says in our text today, is to delete it and to rewrite your story. How many are glad your sins have been deleted and he's written you a new story for you? I, yes, even I, he says, will blot out your sins. And then he says, for my own name's sake. Here's the third thing I want you to know. God forgives because who he is is stronger than what you have done. God forgives because who he is is stronger than what you've done. Let's look at it this way. His character is greater than your sin. Who he is is greater than than anything, baby doll, you've ever done. He's, he's greater than your sin. He's greater than your offense. That's why we sing so often. He is stronger. He is stronger. Sin is broken. He's greater. Whatever the offense was. Because some of you right now, I know how this works. Some of you right now in this fair room are thinking, oh, uh, you don't know what I've done. You, you don't know. You don't know. I, I am one bad dude, Dan. You don't really know. I look good when I come to church, but you don't know what happens the rest of the time. Whatever the offense was, the intensity of it, the magnitude or the size of it, 
the frequency of it, none of that even gives God a second thought because he has blotted out your sin for his own name's sake, Isaiah says to us today. Who he is trumps any emotion that he might feel toward what you've done to him. Instead of him opting for anger or opting to hold a grudge, he says, I would rather forgive. For him to not forgive is to deny who he is. If he doesn't forgive you, then he's not being true to his character. That's why we love that verse so much in Timothy that says, even when I'm not faithful or when I'm faithless, he is still, he is always faithful. And then he throws in this one extra phrase, because he cannot deny himself. God doesn't say to you, listen to me this morning. God doesn't say to you, you're angry with, you're angry with me, I'm going to be angry with you. You're upset with me, I'm going to be upset with you. If you like me, then I'll like you. That's not the way God operates. In fact, let's look at it this way. That even when we were enemies of God... When you were opposed, when you were making fun of God to everybody else, when you made fun of other Christians that you saw, even when you were enemies of God, cursing with his name, he still came and died for you. Our roller coaster of emotions, and even our feelings about God, never changes God's character. So when he forgives us, it's for his own namesake. Because he cannot deny his own character. There's a little proverb, Proverbs 17, 9, that ties into this. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. God is always going to honor his word. Fourth thing I want you to know. You ready? God has never gossiped about anyone he has forgiven. He has never gossiped about anyone he has forgiven. He has never put your dirty laundry out for anyone to see. And he knows everything, everything about you. We need to remember this. With God, forgive, forgiving and forgetting go together. Now, if you and I are honest, that's not typically what you and I do. We, we prefer to put people on probation but God forgives. I forgive you, but I don't trust you. Isn't that what we do? I forgive you, but I am watching you closely. I forgive you, yes, because I, I know I'm, if I want to go to heaven, I've got, I forgive you. We just can't be friends. Let's just be clear about that. Can you imagine if that's what God said to you? What if he said, I forgive you, but you've done this, this one one too many times. Thank God that's not how he operates. Because with God, forgiving and forgetting go together. Our text tells us he will blot out our sins for his own sake. And he will never think of them again. But you and me... We tend to convince ourselves that we've forgiven others because we know we have to, but we still remember everything. And when we see the person who's offended us, 
It triggers all kinds of feelings and calls to recollection all kinds of memories. But let's be clear, God forgives and forgets. But here's where it gets tricky. Don't, don't lose me here. Here is God who is omniscient. Means he's all-knowing, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, he's everywhere. He's omniscient, he knows all. And yet he says to us in this Isaiah verse, I will never think of them again. How do you reconcile that with omniscience? Can both of those things be? He knows all things, but he's forgotten your sin? Hang on. Now look, I know I'm getting old. I have children who remind me of that. I have a pastoral staff who remind me faithfully of that, bless their hearts. And my own daily experience reminds me of this. Have you ever had the experience where your brain tells you to walk into a certain room and you walk in there and the minute you go, you don't remember why you walked in there? Has that happened? Please, please, has that happened to anybody else? Thank you. I assume that's all part of, I mean, you, your brain said you need to go in this room and you walk in there and you go, why? What was I supposed to do in here? How do you reconcile omniscience and I won't remember anymore? I heard a story about a great author by the name of Dallas Willard. He was preaching at, at uh, uh, Seattle Pacific University. And there must have been a Q&A session after he had spoken because he was asked a question. Someone from the audience asked him this question. Can God do anything? Remind me of some of the sessions that we've seen with Ravi Zacharias. There, you know, there was some sense that the audience member was trying to set up Mr. Willard, the author. Mr. Willard replied, yes, God can do anything. All things are possible with God. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? We know what the Scripture says. So you can count on the follow-up question then came next. And the guy says this, okay, if God is able to do anything, then can God do something wrong? Tricky. Mr. Willard's answer uh, might be a bit surprising, but here's what he said. He said, yes, he can. It is possible for him to do something wrong, but he's so smart that he won't do anything wrong. I thought that was a great answer. He went on to say, you know, for me, I could stick a pin in my eye, but I know what would happen, and I'm too smart to do that. You see, God is too smart to sin, and his omniscience trumps doing anything wrong because he knows the end result of everything. And so the question is this, could God remember everything that you've ever done for which he's forgiven you? Absolutely he could. Absolutely he could. Could he remember every time you've taken his name in vain? I completely believe that he could do that. But he chooses not to remember even in his omniscience, listen to this, because he's too smart to not remember. Hear me. God knows forgiveness is better than remembering what was done. He says there's more liberation in, 
and freedom and forgiveness than there is in remembering what every person has done to you. And God is saying, I'm teaching you something about how you are to live life. Because if you sit here this morning and remember everything that everyone has done, then you are living a sad life, and dear one, you are the one who is in bondage, not them. And God is simply demonstrating to us how smart it is to be the forgiver. How smart it is. Think of the biggest sinner that you know. Don't say their name out loud, please. Think of the biggest sinner that you know. And think about what God has done for them. He blots out and deletes their sin. And he does it not because they are repentant. Yes, they need to repent. Not because they are repentant. Not because they'll never do it again. He does it for his own name's sake. And not only that, but he will choose to never think of it again. That ought to say hallelujah from us today. I'm going to mention a name that some of you will have heard of, others have not. For many people, if they wanted to name the man, person, who was the biggest sinner in the world in the last 50 years, it would be a man by the name of Anthony Flew, an English philosopher. He was for years considered to be the number one atheist in the world. This man debated C.S. Lewis on Christianity and, and the existence of God. He wrote almost 50 books to disprove Christianity. And then at 87 years old, just before he died, he got saved. And here's the name of the last book that he wrote. He wrote one final book before he died. And here was the name of that last book. There is a God. With this, with this subtitle, the world's most notorious atheist has changed his mind writes a book, and then dies. Now, I can see how you and I would have handled this. We would have said, no, 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 no. You messed this thing up for 50 years. 50 years, dude. You cannot just get saved at the last minute and think you can show up in heaven and just go, here I am. Yes, he can. Because the moment he got saved, God put his finger on that big old delete button and said, welcome home, son. Here's what I call that. I call that crazy forgiveness. Crazy forgiveness. If you get saved just before you die, You've messed up all atheism by writing a book, There Is a God, and you die on us. God says, you still get to go in. And I deleted everything you've done or acted upon. He's not using a, a rubber eraser. He's not using whiteout. He's going to hit that delete button, blotting out every transgression. And God chooses to not remember, chooses to not remember. He will never re think of it again. The last 50 years of Anthony Flew's life, because that's crazy forgiveness. Now, I'm going to wrap this up, I promise. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians 4. One more little verse, Ephesians 4. This is going to be the part of the message. If you haven't liked anything so far, you're really not going to like this part. This is going to be the worst part of the message, so you want to stay for this. Remember this. 
When God forgives, He does so because His character is greater than your sin. It's for His namesake that He forgives us. He'll delete your sin like it never happened. He won't even remember it. Even though with His omniscience, He has the ability to do so. But He's too smart. And forgetting is better and smarter than remembering what we've done to Him. And then the New Testament has the audacity to say this in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 31 and 32. Ephesians 4. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Okay, we got that. Tenderhearted. Yeah, okay, that, that's fine too. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Surely not. Surely not. Now we're in trouble, church. He's not just telling us to forgive. He's telling us that we're to forgive the same way that God forgave us. That's why I don't like that verse. And we've talked about the fact that the divisions of, in, the, in the past, we've talked about the fact that divisions and chapters and verses were added to the Bible in the 15th, 16th century. So we need to look at the very next verse also, which is now chapter 5, verse 1. It's as if he's saying, just in case you didn't get it, in case you didn't understand what I just told you about forgiving, in Ephesians 5, 1, he says, so imitate God, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. In other words, he's saying, calling upon us, we are to act just like God. That when you're dealing with forgiveness, we're being asked to do it just like he does. Forgiving each other just as God has forgiven you. But Dan, it was adultery. It was abuse. He hit me. They betrayed my confidence. He stole thousands of dollars and put our entire family at risk. They said they were Christian brothers. And then they fired me. And here's what God says. If God would forgive it, then you have to forgive it too. And not just forgive it. But forgive it the way God forgives. And let's get this part straight. It's the most pointed thing I'm going to say to you. This is not a suggestion. We live as though it was just a nice idea. It's the Word of God. Do you place it in a place of a position of authority in your life? You don't have to answer me out loud. This is not a suggestion. To accept the forgiveness of God at the point of your salvation, 
is to enlist yourself in an army that has this assignment. To not only be one who is forgiven, hallelujah, but also to start on the journey of being one who is a forgiver. We love to be forgiven. But to decide today that I'm going to be a forgiver as I enjoy holding on to those things, whatever way you get out of that, and to imitate God in this, are you kidding me? There are other things that God does that I would rather imitate, like the sovereignty thing, the all-powerful. I like the ruling the world part. I can imitate that. But the forgiveness thing is not the part I want to imitate. But here's a challenge. You and I are forgiven to be a forgiver of other people, even when it requires crazy forgiveness. Forgiveness is not something that is just for you. Forgiveness is something that is going to come through you. Our reason to forgive also is not because that person is particularly forgivable. Probably, you've decided already, as I'm talking to you right now, your case is special. Because I don't know how big a jerk that guy is. And I don't know, Dan, you don't know how unforgivable she is. It doesn't matter, I don't have to. Dan, you don't understand that that offense is not forgivable. It's very simple. We forgive because we've been forgiven ourselves. And he's the one who can empower us to do it. Bow your heads with me for prayer. Church, we must understand this. This kind of crazy forgiveness only happens with the help of the Holy Spirit. This thing of imitating God cannot be done if you don't have a real relationship with Him. But when you are born again, there is a new DNA that He puts inside of us that says His character is going to become my character. And The more we grow in God, the more we see the importance of imitating God. God, we're asking today, as we recognize our weakness and our inability, your character is within us, and we are being called upon to be an imitator of God and to forgive just as you have forgiven us. You know, it strikes me today, both in our worship time and the testimonies that I know some of you have given me in the halls today, this is another of those situations that we have to say only the Lord, only the Lord could do this, could cause this to happen because we could never do it on our own. But listen, church, he would never put something in Scripture that would be impossible for us to do. He would never require something of us except that which could be accomplished through the power of the Holy Spirit. We know this to be true. It's not by might, not by power, but by his Spirit that we can even become crazy forgivers. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I simply want to know today by raised hand, who would say to me, Pastor Dan, I want to be an imitator of Christ. 
and forgive as he forgives. There's a situation in my life today that I need to forgive, and I know full well that I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me do so. If that's you, just simply slip up your hand in the balcony, the main floor. Okay. You can put them down. I see those hands. And then I have to simply ask this this morning. Is there anyone in this house today who has come to the point of realizing whatever, however your journey has brought you even into this place today, that you are one who is standing in need of being forgiven before a holy God. You need to come clean before the Lord. And you want to experience that kind of forgiveness where He has blotted out your sin to never think of them again that only Christ gives. It's crazy forgiveness where God chooses to never think of your sin again once you ask Him for forgiveness. If that's you, would you raise your hand, please, very quickly. I see that one. I see that one. I see that one. Let's all stand, please. Everyone standing. You saw every hand that was lifted today, Lord. You saw every situation. Nothing is hidden from you. So we're simply asking for your help by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are saying they need to be forgiven, would you come and wash them clean today by the power of your Holy Spirit? Those who are needing to forgive others and who recognize today that they have got to let go, they have got to forgive and blot it out completely, never to think of it again because that's your pattern, that's what you've taught us to do. I pray that you will give us the ability to do that because you live within and your character is becoming our character. So we thank you for your grace today, Lord Jesus. We ask that you will help us as we go from this place. In Jesus' mighty name. Pastor Brent, lead us.